welcome to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is my wife, Sarah. Hello. In this episode, we're going to have a conversation. That's it. That's it. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, conversation about, I mean, I think we're going to start with self-awareness, um, curse of knowledge. It was something we were kind of talking about this morning, and we decided, you know what, let's just set up the mics. Yep. Have a little conversation about that. Yep. But before we jump into the conversation, I just want to give a huge thank you and shout out to our podcast sponsor, B&H Photo Video. B&H is a massive mm. camera and video electronics store here in New York City in Midtown. They, uh, it's at like 34th and 9th Avenue, I believe. And if you are ever in New York City, you need to go by the Superstore and just be a little, you know, it's basically a kid in a candy shop situation yep. for adults. Yeah. If, if you're into any sort of gear, you can just spend days in there. But luckily for you, who don't <laughs> live in New York City and can't visit the amazing B&H Superstore, is you can visit them online. Yeah. So they also have a ginormous selection of everything you would ever need in your photo, video, pro audio needs yep right there um on the bnh website we have actually upgraded our our podcast setup completely thank you to bnh they provided us with our mics and recorders and all of the things yeah if you are interested in learning what gear we got from bnh all of the links to that are in the show notes or in the description if you're watching on youtube go ahead and go down there click on some of those links and see what this microphone is that is making me sound so good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and also we did a unboxing video um, of all of this gear as well. I'll link that in the show notes and you can watch us uh, setting all of this stuff up if you're into gear and things. Yep. So again, huge thank you for making this show possible and making it sound the best it can. Thank you to B&H. Yep. So into today's, I don't know, conversation. We were having, we were talking to some people yesterday and we were having some, a conversation and just, we were, we kind of, we were talking about relationships and stuff. And I, as we were having that conversation, I kind of remembered how different people are, I guess, <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't, I don't know. I guess it just reminded me that I have a different perspective Right. Than a lot of people, or maybe, I, I mean, I don't know how many people, but. Right. Uh, bas I mean, basically, yeah. th this morning, Sarah and I were talking, and I was, I was just saying that, you know, I w I've been thinking about this podcast and thinking about the conversations we have. And sometimes I feel like, you know, what else do I have left, to, you know, to give? Yeah. Because I. Is I, everything repetitive? Are we just like regurgitating information? That kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And, and it is just. Because I, I think about whenever I'm thinking about these conversations and thinking about the topics we're, we're talking about, a lot of times I picture talking to our friends. Mm -hmm. um, hello, friends that are listening. Um, <laughs> I, I, I picture like talking to them. And so a lot of times I, I don't know, doubt myself. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I have a unique perspective in, you know, maybe marriage or I have a unique perspective in this thing or, you know, right. I, have, I have this to give. But then I think, I mean what else is there like yeah. you know the, the or like it, how is that any better right. you know and i'm thinking about these friends of mine who have very similar upbringings very similar cultural mm -hmm. um backgrounds very similar religious backgrounds and a lot of them or maybe all of them <laughs> 
have the ex- even the exact same spiritual leadership yeah. in, in the time that we became friends. And right. so we have a lot of the same knowledge. And so it's like I, I forget that there are way more people mm-hmm. that do not have, you know, the, the same experience and the same worldview and the same like self-awareness or whatever it is. Right. And so anyways, uh, so I, we had this, con- we were talking to these people yesterday and it just... I guess, I don't know, reinvigorated me or... Well, I think because the thing is, is that we all only have our experience, right? And you get kind of caught up in your experience and thinking that like, that's the whole world. You know what I mean? Like, not in a selfish way, just literally all we know is our own experience. So it's hard to get out of that, I think, sometimes. And so, you know, we're talking about like, what value do we add to other people's lives? And you're like, I don't know. I got nothing, right? But it's not actually true because, again, everyone else only has their own experience. So it's it's hard to remember, but it does feel that way a lot. Like, okay, I've said all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And in, in basically, as I was, you know, in, in that conversation, the thing that I was reminded about is how – we are so ingrained into this journey of self-awareness. Right. And we, we've we talked about it on the podcast a lot, especially in, in like the first like 10 episodes. We talked about becoming self-aware and being, you know, just mm-hmm. the, the things that surround being self-aware um, a lot. And so we haven't really talked about it you right, know, because, since then. Because again, I, I think we even had this conversation. You were like, we're talking about this too much. We need to like find different subjects, you know? Right. Yeah. And, but whenever, anyways, what I'm getting at is that we were, you know, having a conversation with, with people we rarely have a conversation with. And I realized how important, or like I re-remembered how important self-awareness is because I saw a lot of things in that conversation that were, I guess I felt like they weren't self-aware, mm-hmm. you know, it, they weren't, um, how, I mean, maybe, you I, would, maybe I'm trying to like not say it harshly, but maybe that is it. Like they just, yeah, I, I mean the, the truth is, is that some people are more predisposed to being self-aware than others. Everybody has the capability of being self-aware, but it is a muscle you have to exercise right. and it's really hard to start that journey because what even is self-aware? Like just to be able to even, I mean, I guess it's kind of natural to me, but like to be able to even define it is kind of hard to, you know what I mean? Like when you're just starting out learning to be self-aware, nobody really knows what that means until you learn enough about yourself and you can recognize it's kind of like an out of body experience. You know, you're like, maybe you're having this conversation or this experience or you're feeling these things and like in the moment you know exactly what you're doing you know your patterns right and like that's kind of self-awareness but it's kind of hard to explain it's knowing why you do something right and and recognizing it in the moment and choosing a different thing like yeah. well, an unhealthy like choosing to not to do the healthy thing is yeah. like self-awareness but like to be able to like start that is really hard because how do you become self-aware? I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? It's very elusive. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just, you just have to start somewhere. Oh, I know. But I'm saying learning to recognize 
the patterns, like when you're in the middle of doing some self-destructive thing you do, recognizing that is so difficult. It gets easier over time, but like the first times, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like it's hard to... Yeah, I almost think that self-awareness almost has to come from someone other than yourself. I do, yeah, I do think that it takes somebody else pointing out something to you um, before you can really recognize it. And and not, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a person. It can be a, a book of some sort. Or that like, a person wrote. That a person wrote, <laughs> yeah. Like something like that um, can also, because, well, I'm thinking about the Enneagram because that is the most helpful thing that had or the thing that's been the most helpful to me in self-awareness and like learning my patterns um but also people who like know you really well who can say like um what are you doing (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. um and then you catch it the next time right yeah it yeah it almost becomes like a uh fool me once like Shame on me, like fool me twice, shame on you type thing. Or like the opposite of that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah. And it's kind of like, if you aren't aware, you know, it's kind of like somebody makes you aware, you Mm -hmm. know, there's no fault in that. Like there's, it is painful. Like whenever you first become aware of, you know, maybe, maybe like you're coming across as like a douche whenever you you know talk to people yeah but you have no idea that, that that's happening like right you, you're just going about your life and you know you have not even that that thought hasn't even entered your mind well i mean but a, then a most really people, good example of that is um all the like when we were younger and like the way you would speak uh or make jokes or whatever i always thought were harsh like toward me but i didn't tell you so like how could you know yeah, you know it's like I mean? it's, it's one of those it's like learning who you truly are is hard to do on your own. And it's like you have you're coming across as a douche like to a lot of people, mm-hmm. even though you have no idea that that's happening. Right. Because it's so natural to you. It, but nobody actually told you. Yeah. And then once you're told that you obviously kind of go through a, it's hurtful in the yeah. beginning It's also you might reject it and be like, no, that's not me. Like, I, that, right. you know, whatever you, you can go through like the five stages of grief yeah, or whatever all the it is stages, yeah. um and th- but then once you accept it mm-hmm. and you're like okay i am coming across this way even though it's it's hard to it's hard to accept those negative things about yourself because you um judge yourself by your intentions right not by your actions right. versus everybody else judges you by your actions correct and so you're like, my intentions and everything are good. Like, I feel like whenever I am talking to these people, I'm, I'm coming, right. I'm, I'm from, coming from a good place or whatever. Yeah, I'm just trying to help them but or the, teach them. Or... But the perception of that is actually negative. And so you, you have to realize, okay, I know in my heart of hearts, you know, whatever, <laughs> that I'm, I'm trying to be a good person. Like I'm trying to help or I'm trying right. to whatever, but I am coming across as a douche. Yeah. So what do I need to change? And you like, you're not going to change overnight and you start right. to change it and you start to recognize it. And then whenever you enter into that conversation or the next time even mm-hmm. you are a douche and you're like, Oh, Oh my I, God. Yeah. I can see kind of what that is. And then the next time it, you stop yourself before you start. Yeah. It gives you, I think it gives you the opportunity to, um, 
view life from somebody else's perspective a little bit. Um, like, like if you hurt somebody, like maybe the words you use or something, you're like continually hurting somebody's feelings, but like hurting their feelings into a corral. Yeah. Hurting <laughs> English language yeah. doesn't say the T. <laughs> um, and like, you don't know about it. You can't really be, I, I want to say you can't really be responsible for that, but I mean, you are, except that you don't even know that you're hurting their feelings <laughs> um, until they point it out to you. And then the next time it's on you, you know, I feel like it's, it's that in, in self-awareness. It's like everything before you can apologize for and like ask for forgiveness, but everything moving forward, it's on you. And like, like you have to take responsibility for it, which sucks so bad. Like it, it sucks to know your unhealthy tendencies to see yourself do them and then have to be like, yep, I did that. Like that sucks, mm -hmm. but that's self-awareness. And ultimately it, it leads to a much better, well-rounded individual. Right. And a more, I mean, what I would consider success, like, Right. In life fulfillment, essentially. Right. Yeah. Like, I th I feel like a self-aware life is a life well-lived or a a whole yeah. life. I mean, I, there's something really, um, what, I mean, it's freedom, really. But there's, right. there's exactly. something really freeing that about being able to point to yourself and say, these are the things that aren't so great about me, but these are the things I'm doing to you know, fix it or, mm -hmm. or work on it. Yeah. You know? And it's like, whenever you find out, whenever you realize these things or the things are pointed out to you and you do go through those, that hurt stage. Mm -hmm. And it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. After that though, whenever you truly accept it mm -hmm. and you begin to change, that is what, that's whenever it becomes emotional wisdom. Yes. Yeah. That's whenever you are gaining emotional wisdom and and truly on that journey to emotional health because yeah. an emotionally healthy person, what, what you were saying about freedom that right. really, I think stabs at it. Like that's what really gets it is that a lot of times we don't want to learn about ourselves or we think that like just being who we are, that's truly what's being free mm -hmm. is that, you know, being about self, being about me and not wanting to, not changing myself, right. you know, because my intentions are good, you know, right. whatever. I'm, I am me. I am who I am. That type of thing. That a lot of times, it feels like freedom. Like yeah. I'm truly free and in, in myself to be who I want to be. Whenever actually, you're, I think that you are building walls mm -hmm. and you're actually trapping yourself into this place, mm -hmm. and you're not, you're not truly free. Because a tr I feel like a truly free person is somebody who sees themselves in all of their good, all of their bad, and they're willing to admit it yeah. and recognize it and change. Right. I think that that is whenever true freedom mm -hmm. in, in yourself comes through, and it's counterintuitive to what maybe is natural. Right. I mean, it's vulnerability, right? Right. Like, which is hard and difficult and terrifying sometimes because you're kind of putting the power in somebody else's hands right like let's say i mean 
like you hurt somebody and then it, but now you recognize it, you recognize how you treated them or how you acted. You have to go and apologize and hope that they don't hate you. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something really vulnerable about self-awareness, not just to other people, but to yourself too. Like Mm -hmm. you are being vulnerable to yourself and saying like, "Mm, you kind of suck, but I think we can maybe do something about it. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. I think that vulnerability is something that Sarah and I are very different in. Yeah. Um, because we, we've talked about the Enneagram in the past, Enneagram. Yeah. And um, the Enneagram is a ancient personality typing system yeah. that it – I'm not going to go like really into it. Um, you want me to give a brief? Yeah. It's basically um, there's nine types and – your type depends on what they call your shadow side. It's it's all based on self-improvement and self-awareness. Whereas like Myers-Briggs, I feel like is pretty shallow. It just tells you your type, like whatever. But the Enneagram goes deeper into kind of your uh, woundings and maybe what's not so great about yourself so that you can improve it. That's yeah. pretty much it. So in the Enne- Enneagram, I am an eight which mm-hmm. is the challenger mm-hmm. and my uh, personality types um i guess like w- we show up in strength right and our weakness is vulnerability yes um versus sarah or she's a type four mm-hmm. and they live in vulnerability right and it's the only thing i care about is like if you're gonna cry in front of me yes please like right. <laughs> That sounds crazy, but it's true. And we've talked about this before that like our definition and our scale of what is vulnerable yeah, is completely it's different. Completely different. We we had this conversation with our friend Lindsay, but I'm pretty sure it was off mic afterwards we started talking about vulnerability and be, because Sarah and I have such different definitions and so we were just talking about it and for Sarah, Mm -hmm. it's essentially that if you are not crying. Literally nothing. No, I I can appreciate like when someone else is being vulnerable to their level. Like I can understand, you know, like vulnerability. If somebody's being vulnerable to me, I can I can appreciate that and understand it. But I don't feel like I'm being vulnerable ever. Like I I'll share anything and it's like the worst things about me that I hate so much. But like it doesn't feel vulnerable to me, you know. Um, but I, I – this is a weird thing about me because I like to cry <laughs> um, because I, it's like an emotional release. Like it gets it all out there and I enjoy that is a weird word to use, but whatever. Um, I cannot or I don't let myself cry in front of people though. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. So, I, I hide myself from crying in front of people. So that's like the that's the vulnerable that I can't pass. Like I can't that's, get past that level. That's whenever you truly feel like you're being vulnerable. Like if you yeah. if you like go to someone and you are sharing and, and you're crying, that is like, okay, this is vulnerability. Yeah. Versus like But I'll share whatever you want me to share. Yeah. And it's fine. Versus like myself, like I feel like I'm being vulnerable a lot um, just with yeah. with being transparent 
Yes, that's a good word. And there's actually um, a big difference between transparency and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I, because I feel like I'm being transparent and I'm being open, I'm being honest. And if you ask me, I'm giving you, you know, the full details, you know, whatever. It's like, this is being vulnerable because I'm not trying to hide who I am, not trying to hide, you know, the mistakes or, you know, how much something cost or, you know, whatever it was. Like, I feel like that's being vulnerable. But in reality, I'm just being transparent. Right. And I'm attributing vulnerability to that. Yeah. Vulnerability is, is emotional. Right. It's like emotional transparency, I guess, which I don't think that. I don't even know if that's a thing for you. Yeah. And the thing for me and, and being an Enneagram 8 is that I'm looking for like power and strength. Yeah. And I basically push away things that are perceived weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And the the thing with vulnerability for most people, but mm-hmm. especially to um, vulnerability somebody, is hard for anybody. Right. Yeah. But especially for somebody of my personality type vulnerability is perceived weakness yes because to say to admit that i'm scared mm-hmm. or to to really like you know break down or you know to open up and be truly like innocent or yeah. truly uh vulnerable raw. yeah raw and like get those emotions out that like i don't know what I'm doing and I'm scared and I'm like yeah whatever to really open up about stuff like that would be to show weakness yeah and so as whereas I kind of view it as strength I like for me like I think and maybe that's why I like vulnerability that's why I like authenticity as I feel like admitting your biggest weaknesses is strength What's interesting about this, I was listening to a podcast with an Enneagram 8, um, and they were talking about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And they said something that is really, I don't know, poignant for me or something. I mean, I, yeah. it, it, I liked it. Yeah. Um, so true power um, and strength come from vulnerability, come from innocence. And it's actually, you know, it's the opposite of what is natural to me yeah. and what is natural to you. Um, right. But a story, it was on um, the Typology podcast with Ian Morgan Cron. Fantastic and podcast. So Ian Morgan Cron, he he gave this example, this story that yeah. I really liked. And he said, so imagine you're in a room you know, with powerful people. So, you know, let's let's say um, like a, a super like a president of the United States, a uh, Oprah mm-hmm. and I don't know who else is somebody like really powerful or oh influential gosh. or something. That's too big a question. I don't know. I think he used the example of Bono. So just okay. like sure. some people with a lot of clout, a lot of power, yeah. somebody who is respected. Yeah. Those type of people. They, you know, for them to show vulnerability, you know, is like right. going to be rare type thing. It's yeah. like their image. Image, like power. But then think about that if you're in that room and um, somebody brings in a baby yeah. into that room. No matter is who, no matter who is in the room, if a baby is present, everyone is drawn mm. to the baby. Yeah, President of the United States, you know, Oprah, you know, Bono, um, whoever it is, like yeah. they are the most, you know, powerful people in in their perspective fields. Yet they are drawn 
to this baby who is basically the perfect image of vulnerability, the perfect image of of an innocence. innocence. Yeah. And he was using that as a, a metaphor yeah. that everyone is drawn to the baby and because vulnerability is not the opposite of strength. It is the source of strength. Yep, I totally agree. So he was talking to you know this Enneagram 8 in that and he was saying, okay, your thing is that you you know, you need to be strong and mm-hmm. you need to be, you know, powerful in charge right. or whatever. He's like, think about that baby in that room. And if you wanted to command a room and you were to truly strip off those, that wall and be vulnerable, think about how much power mm-hmm. you would have in that situation and how many people would be drawn to you in the room because you are naturally a person people are drawn to because that's the kind yeah, of the, that's, yeah. the challenger, the the personality that, you know, of the eight. You kind of demand attention, mm-hmm. not in a bad way. But yeah. not I don't that sounds bad, but it's, I don't mean yeah. it that way. It's it's more your presence. You're charismatic, yeah. you're whenever you show up, for some reason, people are drawn to yeah. you. Yeah. But think about how much you would truly mm-hmm. command the room, like if you were innocent if you were vulnerable in that i mean you can even um like examples of like uh if a i don't even have a specific example but like if somebody is speaking they're like a speech you know talking well like Um, uh president obama talking about i think it it was one of the mass shootings he was giving a speech yes i think you're right and like he started crying Mm -hmm. right like how much more powerful is that right or even i saw this video of john legend giving a speech um chrissy teigen won some award like women of the year some i don't know it was something like that some women's award and he was like giving the speech for it and he was telling a story about how there was some event they were at and chrissy teigen was in the back and she was crying because she felt like she didn't belong and with like all these powerful women and John was like, the world recognizes it. And I hope you do too, that you do belong here, you know, whatever. And he was like crying, of course, because it's his wife and it's beautiful and it's vulnerable and it's so powerful. It's so much more powerful when you show emotion. I know that that's like the opposite of what we immediately feel. We feel like we have to protect ourselves or... um like, I don't want you to think I'm this, like, overly emotional, whatever. Like, I don't know. All these, like, mind games we play with each other. But none of it matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, vulnerability is is always going to win. Always. Two things that um, that makes me think about um, that are somewhat related but interesting tidbits. Uh-huh. Um, is that I was listening to something I heard a while back talking about in public speaking mm-hmm. and in, in crying, that type of thing, is that whenever you are in situations where you're telling a story, and especially like if you're on a stage and you're like, you know, that type yeah. of public speaking, is that if you tear up, that that is people um, feel empathy mm-hmm. towards you. But if you transition into actually crying people feel sympathy for you and to truly um i guess deliver 
mm-hmm. a powerful message and for people to go away challenged and um, moved. M- yeah, moved into action is you want to keep people in the empathy stage. And so you want to, you know, tear up, maybe, you know, choke up a little, things like that. But if you move into crying, then people feel sympathy for you, not empathy. And the like the power of the message um, as far as moving into action is actually lessened. Why? I don't know, because there's a big difference between feeling sympathy for somebody and empathy for somebody. Yeah, but I just mean like why is crying worse? Like I think it's more I don't I think it's more like a just naturally like what our you know, how our brains are. Yeah. You know, it's like feeling that seems weird to me. Yeah. I think it was like a Ted Radio Hour or I mean I something trust like it. That. It was just like weird. Hidden brain, maybe. Yeah. It, it was just really I it was an interesting thing just because at the time I was, you know, working at the church and, um, you know, was in direct conversation with people who delivered messages from stages every single week. Right. And so, and then we had had conversations, um, about like how powerful messages were whenever, Mm -hmm. you know, the person speaking teared up whenever Mm -hmm. they were talking and how moving that was. And I was thinking about, yep, it's interesting how they never truly moved into crying. Like, Well, I think that's probably a vulnerability thing too, though. You like stop yourself. You really do. Like, I, I think because we're, I mean, maybe it's like a natural brain response or whatever, according to that podcast. But I think it's also just like we're scared to go that extra step with people, you know? Like there mm-hmm. are very few people on this earth that will allow ourselves to be like, legit vulnerable with you know so i think you you stop yourself too like i mean i do it like i i would say i'm like decent at vulnerability i don't i mean i guess i don't really feel like i'm ever being vulnerable but Mm -hmm. but like um i stop myself from actual crying in front of people you know i'll tear up and i don't feel like that's vulnerable but i will stop myself from crying maybe it is a natural brain thing i don't know I always thought it was because I was just scared of like their response. Yeah. Like if I actually cried, I thought I'd like I was scared about like what they would do or like if they would be uncomfortable. I don't want to make, you know, I don't want to bother anybody with my crying. <laughs> but maybe it's a natural brain thing. Yeah, I could see that just from like a um a social awareness point of view yes, yes. that you understand that crying in a social situation is actually very awkward for people yes and like, i never want to make people uncomfortable and being like, like socially aware yeah you know person and being like okay if if i cry they're gonna be like uh what uh, uh what do i do do i like let me pat your yeah, shoulder <laughs> exactly uh, yeah anyways another thing that that made me think of is I cannot remember who it was because I watched like probably four different comedy specials this week. I think it was probably Joe Rogan, which um, I talked about something in his yeah. <laughs> stand-up last week too. But anyways, um, he was talking about – one of whoever I was watching was talking about crying mm-hmm. um, and how crazy it is that we tell little boys not to cry because yeah. it's weak because you know if you, if you um mm-hmm. you know if you show emotion then you're you know you're weak you need to be strong you need to be a man mm-hmm. um, and all this stuff and he was like you know what happens whenever you tell little boys not to cry mm-hmm. he said they, they turn into men who grab women by the pussies. yeah 
Wow, I can't believe you just said that. I'll bleep it. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's true, though. Actually, you know who's a good example of talking about, well, like toxic masculinity is what that is, um, is Matt Haig. Uh, He wrote Reasons to Stay Alive and Notes on a Nervous Planet. Fantastic. But he talks about that a lot. He's like on Twitter talking about toxic masculinity a lot and crying and how crying is actually not unmanly like i don't even know where we got that from because like our body it's a natural response to your like your body can't hold that much emotion in so it lets it out in different ways and crying is one of those ways you cry when you're happy because you're too happy you have so much joy you can't contain it so you cry you cry when you're sad because you have so much sorrow that your body needs to get it out. And like there's nothing unmasculine about that. It's a natural body response. And I don't understand where that came from. And if you just keep it all in, of course it's going to be just like this volcano waiting to erupt into something like freaking where we're at now, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's wild to me that that is considered unmasculine what even is masculine masculinity and femininity like i don't know it's so dumb anyway yeah and also obviously something that i'm really passionate about right now (laughs) um and and also you know i I would say that men's mm, need or whatever to not cry is more for other men yeah let me just say this the most attractive thing in a man is sensitivity and vulnerability honestly women love that yeah that's what i I was gonna say seriously like i don't know a girl who sees a man tear up and like isn't immediately attracted to him you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like there's something so it's because it's authentic and it's real and it's true and like that's what people want so I don't know why we're all so scared to like be real. Cause that's what actually everybody wants from everybody else. Yet we like withhold it cause we're scared, mm-hmm. you know? I wonder if that is universal. I mean, I don't think anything is universally true, but the generally mm-hmm. true, like among women, because you are obviously an Enneagram four. Yeah. Vulnerability is your thing. It is. Like, Authenticity is my thing. Authenticity sensitivity is, your thing. So, is my thing. So obviously to you, yeah. vulnerability and sensitivity and things like that are going to be very attractive because yeah. that's what you value the most. But I mean, honestly, though, I can But I have see... a lot of my friends who think that too. Yeah. I mean, mostly about like a, a guy tearing up, a guy walking a dog, a guy with a baby. Like all of those things are like, you know, more... Uh, sensitive things because dogs and babies are true innocence yeah and i there's something about that that is really freaking attractive so if you're a single man out there guys go to your local coffee shop grab a good book yeah yes and uh tear up a little bit make sure it's it's a you know 50 shades of gray no (laughs) that is not sensitive and vulnerable uh the art of the deal um i don't know that one donald trump's book oh gosh (laughs) That is a good way I mean, to not get it. The book that Donald Trump's name's on that somebody else wrote for him. For sure, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more like a, you know. World War Z. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
whatever. Anyways, I'm just saying Marley vulnerability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> vulnerability, sensitivity is the most attractive thing. I think I feel like that's a general statement among women. I agree. And I'm not even a woman. Yeah. When you were talking about transparency a little bit ago, it reminded me of um, the curse of knowledge. Mm -hmm. So like, because basically you don't ever feel like, like you're just transparent. That's just like how you are, right? And like everything is, I think, so like natural to you to just like know and share and whatever. And um, even with like self-awareness, we were talking about this earlier, like being self-aware is such a weird thing to know about yourself and like it's hard to I don't even like to find that but like I think like other people recognize it you know and it's it's weird because like with us we have had so many like friends tell us over like the years like oh you guys should make videos and whatever like you guys are so cool like you should share your life blah 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 and we just kind of like give them a funny look because we're like we sit on the couch just like everybody else like we're not that cool we're just like living life there's like this curse of knowledge i think um with self-awareness too like like I don't feel like I'm being vulnerable, you know, when I'm sharing things, but it, it is vulnerability, mm-hmm. but it's just like so naturally me right. that I don't recognize it. And for anybody listening who doesn't know what the curse of knowledge is, the yeah. curse of knowledge is knowing something so much that you can't imagine what it's like not knowing what you know. It's yeah. It's like a, a thing that is doesn't even occur to you. Right. Yeah. It's like a software engineer who or a doctor mm-hmm. who can't actually tell you in language that you understand what is happening because they are they they are so in it. Yeah. That they can't even imagine what it's like to not know what they know. Yeah. And so they can't tell you in terms that are understandable to somebody who doesn't know anything about that thing. Yeah. Um and so it's like you're so involved or you have you're you're so in it, mm-hmm. you know, with with whatever it you is. You have the inside view. Right. And so, you know, we were talking about this this morning because with the conversation we were having with, you know, a few people, these people have way different um worldview and li- and life upbringing than we do. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost you know there were things that were said it was almost like wait what yeah and it's like you you almost feel like like we were saying like i don't have anything else to offer like i don't even know what else to talk about but then you get in these conversations and realize that like oh this is actually unique you know new york unique new york (laughs) unique new york that's hard to say um yeah i feel like that was self-awareness like i think self-awareness is um like i was kind of saying at the beginning of the podcast hard to define and hard to like recognize in yourself i feel like it's a little bit of a curse of knowledge thing yeah yeah because i was i don't know i think i was being vulnerable this morning yeah and i told <laughs> uh sarah that i basically i had I had forgotten about 
self-awareness. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of how, what language to actually use with what I was feeling because essentially like, like what I was saying in the beginning of the show is that I wasn't talking about self-awareness and everything mm-hmm. like that because I felt that I didn't have anything left to give in that. Yeah. And then also I forgot what it's like to not know what I know. Yeah. And then also feel like I'm not very self-aware. Yeah, I feel like I'm not self, like I feel like I don't know things about myself that I should know. Yeah, yeah, I think you said like, you know, before, like when we were talking about self-awareness, like a decent amount in like every podcast, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was absurd. Um, you said you you felt self-aware and like more recently you haven't felt very self-aware. Yeah, And I think that when you look back, that makes sense because you were like, we need to stop talking about self-awareness. Um, and it makes sense because if you weren't feeling self-aware, why would you want to talk about it? But I think like just with everything else, like life is not a start here, end here journey. It is literally an up and down. There is no destination. You know, all those quotes. It's not even a linear line. It's not a line. Yeah. It's all the, it's so much of a, um, two steps forward, 10 back, you know, kind of thing. There's like so much push and pull and give and take and like nothing is linear it's just all over the map yeah except for time yeah like time moves on yeah but but your journey into being a healthy person into being a self-aware person into learning how to be selfless or whatever it is you're learning none of that is linear learning how to be a good person is all over the map up down left right spiral yeah and you can be a good person in one area and a really bad person in another area of your life you can also be really self-aware for a season and then go through i don't know you know just life and then not be very self-aware like it is a constant like I said it's a muscle that you have to like constantly work on and so like self-awareness isn't something that you're just gonna like be good at you know it's something that you have to constantly work at and I think you will go through seasons of not being very self-aware um or even for me right now or maybe not right now but the last like four months it was I was going through this time of I'm self-aware and I know what I'm doing but I'm not going to do anything to change it because I don't want to you know Mm -hmm. like I was being very like spiteful yeah spiteful toward yourself yeah because I didn't want to do all of the hard work that it takes to be self-aware and to like make the healthy decisions you know like you're going to go through different times and that's fine you know yeah you can't be completely 100% healthy 100% of the time. That's not life. Yeah. And I think that the, in to keep on this conversation of like the curse of knowledge and self-awareness is I think that w- becoming self-aware mm-hmm. in what you truly have a curse of knowledge is, yeah. is so powerful. Yes. Because you want to talk about, you know, what we're doing right now, this mm-hmm. podcast. You want to talk about our current career of being youtubers and podcasters if we stayed yeah in our curse of knowledge of not recognizing our unique giftings or talents or what we have to offer right we wouldn't be doing what we what we're doing right now yeah because whenever you truly step back and realize what 
you know, th- this deep knowledge base that you have that you, 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 you can't even, you don't even recognize it because you know it so much yeah. that you think that everybody else knows it as well, because how could they not? How could you not know? Well, and even, even not just like, if we not talking about like knowledge specifically or what value you add, but like, I still don't feel like we're cool. I still don't feel like we're doing like cool things or like different things or like, I don't, I don't feel like, like, I think we've talked about this in the podcast. I constantly am like, well, how am I any different than anybody else? What am I having to offer that is like better or cooler or whatever? Like, I don't have anything. I still feel that way, you know? But the point is like, I know what people have told me. And like, I have to, you have to just like keep reminding yourself of that and like continue anyway. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like eventually I think you start to believe it. It's like the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Right. Like I don't, I don't feel like I'm cool. You know, I don't feel like I'm vulnerable. I don't feel like I'm whatever, but I know what friends, close mentors, strangers on the internet have said to me. And so you just kind of have to like believe that that's true. Start. You have you have to start recognizing those patterns, yeah. Because you know, with us, we had close people, you know, tell us certain things, you know, about you know, you you guys should record, you know, whatever yeah. or talk about this, you know. You guys are so fun. You do cool things. You should make videos about it. Right, and it's like that. Those things had been said to us in the past, or people saying like, "You guys are are so cool. You're like the coolest people I ever met," or whatever. And we're yeah. like, "What do you know? Uh, you no. don't know very many yeah, people." Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, eh, uh, I don't. I don't think we're that cool. Yeah, but then, I used to just dismiss it. Right. Yeah. Um, but recognizing, you know, that. But then I think this is. The, I think this is more important to start recognizing the things that people that you just met. Yeah. Tell you, mm-hmm. and in recognizing patterns, mm-hmm. because. We started recognizing that anytime we would like show up in a, in a new environment mm-hmm. or show up in, you know, a new group of people or a new person or people would meet us, there was these patterns that were emerging that we would step into these new spaces where new, where people didn't know us and people were attracted to us. Yeah, they they, they would, would say like, I saw you and I thought you guys look interesting. I should meet you. Right. Or something like and that. And they would like come to us and they would start talking to us and we're like, we would leave and be like, why? That's yeah. so, like, the, what? I, like we would we would leave confused, yeah. you know, essentially of like, we just like showed up and mm-hmm. like people like were coming up and just like, I really wanted to talk to you guys because you guys seemed really cool. And we're like, what are you, what are you, I'm why? wearing a hoodie. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I don't look cool. And, I don't look like you. But mean. then that like kept happening. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, we need to, like basically do something about this yeah you know essentially is like is just quit you have to quit denying it like you know you have to step into who you are right and it's not because some of it can turn into false humidity oh humility humility um (laughs) yeah you know humility in in that you're like you know i'm not cool right um lol but i think you can step into those things and still remain humble because you can Absolutely. like recognize that people see these things in you mm-hmm. and that you have this aura, let's say. Yeah. Because I don't think it has anything to do with the way that we dress or, or present ourselves. Like whatever. It's just yeah. that it's this natural 
I don't know, confidence or this natural something. Well, I don't have confidence. So I, I don't. Yeah. Not that. It's, it's this like <laughs> natural, uh, like vibe. Attraction. Yeah. Or aura that is, is coming off of us. And there are people that certain people that are like attracted to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's whenever we started to, I don't know what you would say. I guess just. Because I think it's just like you just have to step into who you are. Right. Like that's what it is. Like I, and it's not in a um, arrogant way. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say is like the arrogance would be to see it and then truly believe it about yourself. Be like, well, oh, wait. Oh, that's I'm right. Cool. You want to hang out with me because I'm right. cool. I'm cool. That's why people are attracted to me. It's because I'm so cool. I have all this stuff going for me. Yeah. And like we were this awesome couple, power team, whatever. You like project this image. And it's it's not that there's anything inherently wrong with those things. Right. It's that it becomes arrogant whenever you, you think that people should be attracted yes. to you. Yeah. But it's more so that recognizing these things that are natural and then being like, okay, people see See? this in me Mm -hmm. and see this about me. What is that? You know, what is that? Exactly. Yeah. And becoming self-aware in that. Mm -hmm. What is it about it that that people are are attracted to? Why, what is it that I I guess, I guess I have to offer? Yeah. And let me figure out how to lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And not letting it go to your head. Right. And begin thinking I'm, Right. All that in a bag of chips. Yeah. You know, if we want to get 90s. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, we've talked about humility with on this podcast before. And that's still a subject that I don't really like. I'm really bad at because growing up like in the church, I don't know if it was like specifically taught or if it was just like a thing that I understood, but like being humble meant like rejecting anything good about yourself like any compliments you know if somebody said like oh my gosh you're so sweet or whatever like eh, reject that because that's a good compliment that's mm-hmm. not you know like which isn't what humbleness is it's not humility yeah that's just like hating yourself but like i so i still have a hard time defining i guess like humility yeah so that's actually a really good episode that I think that if you haven't heard, you should go back and listen to. It is um, hu- humility versus insecurity. I yeah, think. insecurity versus humility, and it's with our friend Josh Kluge. And I feel like we had a really good conversation about yeah. um, humility yeah. and insecurity, and we get we dive really deep into that. Um, yeah, it's hard to define. It's it's kind of a gray line. Yeah, I, I don't really know the difference. <laughs> I feel like we all had like really good insights into yeah. that. I would really recommend checking that one out. Um, yeah, but I think like um, having humility in the confidence in who you are. Yeah. It's like combining those two things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that that's just one thing that I really struggle with is, uh, is remaining truly being confident Mm-hmm. in my talents and giftings and who I am and be re, staying humble in that. Yeah, I do think that you your personality type is more predisposed to not be humble if mm-hmm. we're going to say nice words about it. <laughs> I don't want to say like to be arrogant. Like No, I mean I I, I, I do think a, you're there more There were years of my life that right. I would say that 
you could attribute like if people are like what are the top three qualities of cody <laughs> one of those would probably be arrogant yeah i do think you're more predisposed to that but i also think with in the last couple of years m- maybe like four i don't know you've gotten really good at it like i don't think that that's something you're you it doesn't come across like it's difficult for you I yeah guess. i don't know i guess i wouldn't say that it's difficult now it more it was difficult yeah and what's very interesting but and also uh uplifting what am i trying to say encouraging, encouraging. what's really encouraging is i've actually had people that you know after moving to new york mm-hmm. that you know i've met here and that have gotten to know me and have you know spoken things into my life essentially and multiple people have said you know that they one of the things that i you know really like or love about you is how like humble you are or they'll make comments you know maybe i'll say something and you know be like man you're like you're just so humble about everything yeah and that is very encouraging to me right to hear because that is that is the journey Mm -hmm. of being arrogant Mm -hmm. becoming self-aware that i'm arrogant Mm -hmm. going through a journey of changing which for me in my, you know, uh, worldview is basically going, giving that up to God right. and to basically try to move towards the qualities of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, you know, that is my path. But that path, I mean, I mean it's replace, really just like being a good right, person. You can you replace know? that with just morals and universe yeah. and, you know, that you recognize it and you recognize that a good quality in any person is to be humble yeah and moving towards that journey and then not even really recognizing that i changed like yeah i i felt different curse of knowledge right you're you have the inside view of how you feel right so like even let's say you know you are humble now right whatever um but maybe you still feel arrogant because that's your like natural response you know is to like be confident and whatever and so you don't even recognize that you changed your physical response like how you actually respond versus like your first thought you know what i mean right because your first thought is just natural it is like how you've been predisposed to life or like culturally raised or whatever it is it's like you know, your natural disposition, but the second thought or the response is like who you are. And like, I think we're so inside of our heads that we don't even feel like we're different or we changed or whatever, Mm -hmm. because we have the inside view. We can't, you can only know your experience. And so like, it's hard to recognize like outside of that, you know? Right. I guess we can end the conversation mm-hmm. on this may lead into a long conversation, but we can end <laughs> the conversation on this uh, question and story. Um, so I was listening Ian Morgan Cron, another one of the things that he said uh, specifically for anybody, but he was talking to an eight mm-hmm. and talking about vulnerability. And so this is going to be a question that I think we can all ask if we're, if we're courageous enough to ask it mm-hmm. and we're vulnerable enough to ask it can bring such deeper self-awareness and um truly allow yourself to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and open up and and know the things that basically you need to work on yeah um 
And so in the spirit of being vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, I will be vulnerable right now if you have anything. Um, and the, the question that he says to ask is to ask somebody that knows you, which you do yeah. know me. Um, <laughs> what is something that you know about me that I don't know about me that I should know about me? Something bad or like less than great? Well. Like it's something you should work on. Yeah. I mean, I think that is. That's the point. The point of it. I mean, I think that I think that true self-awareness is knowing everything. Right. So I think that the the vulnerability comes in the question. Yeah. You know, it's like, what is something that you know about me that yeah. I don't know about me that I should know about me? And this you are giving yourself, you know, giving the person you're asking mm-hmm. the you're laying yeah. your heart out, I guess, in saying like, I give you permission to tell me and that I can't promise, you know, that uh, I won't be hurt. Right. But the the hurt eventually turns into emotional wisdom. Right. I mean, that's a big question that I have not had time to think about. So I don't know necessarily. You have any good things to say about me? Because I'll take those. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think something that's really interesting for you, I and it's probably like on your journey of being humble or whatever, is that I do feel like you don't think you're as talented as you are. Like, I, I think that you question yourself more now than you ever have or than you used to, which is weird because you that's not you. Um, in a good way, in a good way, you are very confident about who you are mm-hmm. and you still are, but like you've never questioned like how talented you are or if you were capable of making it or whatever. Like that was just something you knew. You were like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to do it, <laughs> you know, which is weird for me. Like, I don't know. I don't know really how to like handle that whenever you're having these like emotions of like. I don't really think I'm that talented or I'm not that good of a designer or whatever it is you say. It's like, I'm like, uh, what do I, I don't know. Like, it's so not you that I don't know how to respond. Yeah. And I, I do have pushback on that, but I mean, I'm open to being wrong, but my pushback is that because I feel that I am that way because I, I am very confident in who I am, but I am also at my core a realist. Yeah. And I don't lie to myself as much as I don't lie to anybody else. Right. And I, I I totally agree that you are very honest with yourself about like where you're at in your work or whatever. But it's it's not that that like I'm not saying that you don't have room to improve on anything. It's not that. It's it's like a it feels more like a wavering in who you are more Mm. so than like, man, I don't know how to get this to look like I want it to, you know, it's, it's different. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I feel it. Uh, that's about it. I don't know. I I mean, I obviously like, I have some complaints on how, you know, complaints is maybe a harsh word. I have some concerns. (laughs) 
<laughs> on just, you know, whenever you're in your mood of like, I'm right, everyone else is wrong until you prove whatever, I that gets to me. Because there's no, there's no convincing you. Let's be honest. Right until you're proven wrong. That's not a thing. <laughs> but that's like something that, I mean, we've talked about that many times before. So yeah. you, I think you know that is what I'm saying. Like it's hard to point out anything to you if you disagree because it doesn't matter. You just, you disagree and you're right. You know what I mean? I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean but like I said that's something you already know like we've already talked about that so like you know that about yourself and again everything is a is a journey like nothing is like oh okay I'll fix it and then it's fixed it's not that's not how anything works you know so not mad at you about it necessarily (laughs) (laughs) in the moment maybe I am (laughs) right I mean, I think there's different levels there. Um, Yes, and I'm also acknowledging that I am just as stubborn as you. So I'm not I'm not above admitting that maybe I'm half the problem. (laughs) I'm not I'm not I don't have a problem with admitting that either. Um, I mean, so speaking in the name of conversation, just talking, I mean, I wasn't saying anything just because that's the point right is to truly accept listen and accept what the other person has to say but this is also a podcast so just in the you know yeah you have to talk right right? (laughs) so in you know in that i i kind of feel like there's two different um scenarios there Mm -hmm. like right until proven wrong like type of thing i feel like that in situations where it's a group think and you were talking about ideas or we're talking about, you know, yeah, whatever that is, it's it's like I do have, you know, this I have thought about this. I've come up with this is the best idea that is on the table and I'm will I I will I will fight for that idea. Right. In, and I, in that sense, I admire that confidence, you know, it, it, but I will abandon that idea the moment I hear a better one. Yes, and that's true of you. You do do that. Um, because I, it, it, it has nothing to do with ego in that. Like, it, right. like as far as what I recognize, like it has nothing to do with like me trying to be like the person who like right. wins. Like I'm more so know I'm very confident in my creativity. I'm very confident in my life knowledge and skills. And so whenever we are in this situation and it's like, this is the best idea Right. That is on the table right now. Fight me on it, please. Right. And then those, I don't see it as courage, but other personality types think that they they have to be courageous to speak, you know, in, yes. in that. And so that's one thing I've definitely had to learn is like, yeah, don't walk into a room with this is the best idea. Fight me on it. Correct. It's more so walk into a room, let everybody talk first, look for the best ideas, then present my idea. Um, right. and work on that and versus you know just com- walking and commanding a room and everybody feels that they can't you know Speak because up. it does take a lot of courage to to sp- um, basically fight with an eight yes um, even does. though we want you to like where we thrive and it's exhausting in, you know we thrive in that conflict yes um be- oh yes and i do not 
I hate conflict. Like conflict it is not in any form or fashion a negative experience for an eight. Yeah, not at all. You like it. Right. Because <laughs> I think that, that conflict um, it precedes results. Yeah, it breeds the best. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we're truly, like if we truly are not, being malicious like if we love each other and right. we're in this in this uh, you know place of conflict and we are you know this idea that idea boom like boom back back and forth back and forth back and forth you are arguing through yes the details and making sure that this thing can actually survive and come out the other side right a well crafted idea right whereas for me i just feel the tension of all of it it's not even about like an argument because I don't think that's an argument I think that's brainstorming which is great and I enjoy that like you know whatever I like ideation I like thinking through things but the way that you go about it versus the way I go about it is completely opposite because I avoid or I don't know if avoid is the right word but I can feel tension like I take on all tension from everyone. Like I feel people's emotions. And so it's just like a little overwhelming for me. I can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> so I avoid conflict because of that. Because it just, it, it's too much to carry. Yeah. But in the second thing mm-hmm. that, you know, what we're talking about of always being right, that type of thing, more so bring that into our marriage and just right. you and I, I think that is whenever that is the most um, unhealthy, the most destructive, yeah. like, you know, part of, you know, cause they say that a eight and the fours relationship is the most creative mm-hmm. pairing, but also the most volatile. Yeah, this little caveat in here. Right. And because we're both very strongly opinionated and we come at things from opposite directions. We usually, or at least us personally, end up in the same place, but we come at it completely different. Right. And obviously that's, you know, causes a lot of drama. Also, we're both very stubborn. Right. Like I'm very stubborn in my values and beliefs and you are very stubborn in yours. And like neither, we refuse to budge. Mm-hmm. That's where all of it comes from. And with our personality types. Of the nine different types and their subtypes, um, they say that the essentially the meanest mm-hmm. types are the eight and then your specific subtype of four. Yeah. And so. In the unhealthy state. Right. Yes. Yeah. In, in, the, in the potential to be the most cruel. Yes. We have both of those types. And yes. so we can be cruel to each other. Right. Um, because it takes a lot. It it takes way less health yeah. to be a, a great person to other people. Oh, yeah. I don't think, like, if anybody outside of you knows me, <laughs> <laughs> they would never think that. Like, I, I mean, literally my nickname growing up was Sweet Sarah or Sarah Smile. Like, yeah, your nickname now is for me is Sweet Lover. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. You're my sweet lover. <laughs> you have been saying that a lot. It's kind of annoying. And like, like that's just, I, I'm not a mean person. No, you're my sweet lover. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> like I, I, it's just like so unnatural to me. I don't even know how to be mean really. Like 
Unless somebody pushes my buttons, don't get me wrong. Like I can. I think you know how to be mean. Well, to you, I said outside of yeah. you, I would. N- <sighs> this is just showing how cruel I am. I guess I would never do to anybody else what I do to you. I would I never would not. fight and. Okay, I would never fight or talk to any of my other friends like I do to you. But that's the thing about marriage is you get the best and the worst, right? Like sometimes I just feel like I gotta let it go and you're the punching bag, you know? Like not that I do that consciously, but that's kind of how it happens. That's how marriage works, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but in that, as far as like, I have never been the husband that you deserve in that. Mm -hmm. And I've never been the husband that I want to be in that area. And is something that I am constantly ashamed of and constantly wanting to be a better man Mm -hmm. in is those times of... High tension. Of you pointing out things Mm -hmm. or saying like, you are wrong. Like you are doing this thing. You did this thing. Without creating excuses right. of why I do it, it's more so that I do it. Yeah. And that you will point these things out and my initial mm-hmm. you know, response is to be right, even though I'm wrong, right. and to try to prove it to you right. that I'm right. Whenever, one, the situation would never even turn into tension right. if it, I would just say, you're oh. right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Two, I would be the man that I, you know, hope that I am if I actually did that, but I constantly fail at doing. Right. Um, and I don't know how to. It's been we've been married for 10 years. Yeah. And I honestly don't know how. Well, but this is exactly what I was saying at the beginning of the podcast. Nothing is a linear line. Nothing is. And so like, I mean, we've been married for 10 years. I haven't been pointing that out to you for 10 years. You know, right. I, it's only been in the last couple of years that I've even felt brave enough to say something like, because again, I avoid conflict. And in the beginning years of our marriage, that was not a good thing for me because you being so strong just kind of like ran me over, right? So then I had to learn how to fight for myself. These all sound really harsh terms, but they're not. I don't mean them like that. But I had to learn how to be assertive, not even just to you, but like in life. I was not an assertive person, you know? I, I was, I mean, even still, this is more of a social anxiety thing, but like I don't give my name to the coffee shop barista. I give your name because I don't want people to yell out my name. Like it terrifies me to for someone to be like Sarah and then I have to walk up in front of everybody and everybody knows who I am now. Like it ter- I don't know why. It's just like a thing. And so like I'm just not a, an assertive person. Even still sometimes I make you order my food for me. Like that's absurd. But I I I just get scared about it. Like I'm not assertive. And so I've had to learn how to be assertive and initially being assertive was just fighting like I didn't know how else to like not get steamrolled unless I just like was equally as stubborn as you so it was more like we were just fighting about who who was right Mm -hmm. versus like okay this is a thing that we're dealing with let's like figure out how you can be better and how I cannot be offended and how you know 
whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and that's only been in the last couple of years that I've even known mm-hmm. how to do that. And even still, I am a human being who is on all kinds of levels at all times. So like, I don't always point it out very well either, you know? It's just like a nothing is linear and everything is messy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that that's the thing for me is I have to learn how to respond no matter the tension level. Right. Because I can tell you the easiest, how it would be the easiest for me. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if, if there's something that is, that I do that is wrong or that bothers you, or I did something, you know, that's like, that's rude. That type right. of thing. Me and my personality, I want you to immediately right. tell me. Like, if it's like, if I say something and you think it's rude, you'd be like, just in that moment, be like, hey, that was rude for you to say that. And be like, right. oh. Which I have it. started doing. I have, like, if you've, like, said something rude or, or even just, like, the tone of voice. I'm very much a tone of voice person. And so, like, if I read a tone that I feel like is rude or offensive or whatever i'll say it i'll say like that was rude or you don't need to speak to me like that or please don't speak to me like that and you'll say like i only said the literal words and mm-hmm. <laughs> like i know but it was the tone that you that's used. probably one of my biggest pet peeves i know you hate it you hate it but i'm such because a quit listening to my tone i don't know what tone i'm using what i but listen I'm to what a- i'm saying i'm saying <laughs> I love you. You're a sweet, sweet lover of mine. But you're saying you're it like, so angrily. Why are you so mad at me? <laughs> that yeah, is a very I, exaggerated example. See, That's not the truth if you uh, can't it, understand sarcasm. It's not the sarcasm. truth at all. And I used to say quit yelling at me, but I've since learned that you I don't understand. I have never understand. once yelled at you in your entire see, life. I've since learned that you don't understand what I mean when I say that. And what I mean is please use a different tone of voice. Right. So I've started pointing out the tone that you are speaking with. And that's where we're at now in this therapy session. We're at the point where I'll say, please don't speak to me like that or don't use that tone of voice. I don't appreciate it. Right. And then we have an argument about tone of voice. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think the thing is like with me and being an Enneagram 8 and showing up in strength. Right. Is that it's hard for me to end a conversation without being the strongest person. Right. Um, ver- so if you, you know, start the conversation mm-hmm. with a, with being very uh, stern. Str- stern, strong, you know, mean, whatever, it's like I, my initial response, my initial reaction is to fight a little bit more than that. Yeah, to match it and beat me. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's beat like... Beat as I, in win, not beat. Yeah, yeah. I love beating women <laughs> to the door so I can open it for them. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, sh- like basically being the, the biggest lion in the den. You yeah. Know, it's like right. that type of thing. And so it's very easy for me yeah. to admit that I'm wrong if it's approached in um, weakness. Yeah. I guess in vulnerability. like. Right. In in, Where, per, in perceived weakness is what I'm saying. Like yeah. I'm 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 not saying like it doesn't matter. Yeah. In, in perceived weakness, in that you you were to say, you know, basically in a pleasant you know tone mm-hmm. or whatever, like hey, you did this, 
Um, right. I would, you know, appreciate it if you wouldn't do it or you changed or like, did you recognize that, that ever? That's so easy for me to just be like, oh, I didn't know that. Right. Sorry. Like, I, 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 have... I, I thank you for telling me. Yeah. But if it's like, if it's brought up in strength and right. in like aggression, which then... I can do because I'm stubborn and spiteful and I'm very firm in my beliefs and my values and some of those are like how to talk to people you yeah. know what i mean like that it's just that simple that like i don't believe you should ever speak to somebody in a rude tone or whatever it is even though i do to you because but it's more of a reactionary thing for me i think i feel attacked so i'm going to attack mm -hmm. i guess you specifically um it's a very like firm belief of mine. So I show up with like, I maybe righteous anger, like that kind of thing. Like this isn't right and it needs to be fixed. Kind of righteous anger yeah. versus just anger. Right. But it, not that it, you it, can read that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. yeah. And I am. I'm basically. I'm just painting a picture here, and I'm not saying that I that you should every single time that I do something wrong right. approach me in, in meekness you know <laughs> is so that the lion right. doesn't attack it's more so that that's easy for me to do that right. what i have not figured out or what i haven't like learned to be able to do that like again like i said like this is the thing that ashames me the most is that in those times mm -hmm. i can't just be wrong right whenever i'm whenever it's approached in aggression i can't just be like Oh, you're angry, right? Because I did something wrong. Yeah. It's more so. Oh, you're angry because you don't understand how I'm right. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly it. Because I've even, I think, a couple of times, I've even said, like, Cody, neither of us are wrong or right, but you don't have to be right. Like, just because I'm upset about something or whatever. Like, we've had those conversations where I've had to look at you and be like. I'm not right here. I'm just pointing out something that I don't like, you know, like, but you immediately go to right and wrong. You know what I mean? Right. Which is fine. <clears throat> it's not fine. Well, I just mean, you know, like I said, everything, nothing is linear. Everything is a mess, whatever. Yeah. But it's just, again, you have to have those people who are going to point out things to you that you can then pay attention to and hopefully figure out how to change it if if it's something you should change. Yeah. I mean, there are going to be people who are just naturally offended by everything you do. Obviously, those aren't the people close to you, though, so who right. cares? Uh, we're talking about, like, best friends, family members sometimes – Sometimes not, though. Yeah, honestly, sometimes neither sometimes, one of those. Some, yeah. Sometimes the people closest to you are the worst to listen yeah. to. Like they're not going to understand you. Yeah. But that's a whole different podcast. Right. Um. So, in um conclusion, yes. It, you know, I would encourage mm -hmm. one going on a journey of becoming self aware. Find those things that maybe you have the curse of knowledge in. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, personally professionally emotionally whatever it is yeah ask people questions of what it you know what what is something that you always come to me for yeah you know to to learn about or to mm -hmm. know or like you know that if you come to me i know these things like learn 
learning your strengths. There's like, yeah, the, I read a a quote online or whatever, and I don't remember who said it or anything, but it was basically saying like, I love it when people tell me about me because I don't know me. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Like you're looking for the people who can kind of speak into your life. It's kind of the curse of knowledge thing. Like they can speak something into your life that you don't recognize because you kind of like know yourself too well. Right. You know? Yeah. So find, you know, those people, a trusted mentor, a, you know, I, I think it can, I think it take a lot of courage to do this, but mm-hmm. I do think you can find some very valuable information asking a spouse or mm-hmm. asking a family member, mm-hmm. um, you know, just avoid toxic people. Right. Um, you know, because you're, toxic people right just avoid you know a healthy person who is close to you and ask them that question what is something that you Mm -hmm. see or recognize about me yeah that i don't know about me that i should know about me yeah and it's a vulnerable question but a really good one and just be open to the answer and know that whatever follows you know to basically put your guard down, yeah. put your defenses down. Do not defend right. anything that they say. Just take what they say and explore that. And you're going to be probably hurt for a long time, days. Yeah, you know how however long it takes. But if you absorb that, like your twin in the womb, <laughs> you'll become more powerful, <laughs> and you will come out the other side with a more emotional wisdom to you yeah. know, l- attack this world, to y- live it out. Yep. All right. Deeply curious. That was an interesting episode. I, I didn't really so. expect it to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's kind of like every episode. Yeah, true. It's like we- I mean, I love it. I love talking about oh, anything yeah. and everything. But it's just kind of funny because mm-hmm. I'm always like, huh. That's where it went. Okay. <laughs> um, so as we close out the show, just want to remind you that one, you can get deeply curious merchandise Hey-o. at FM. That is one way you can support us, support the show and represent the things that you love and that you want to share with your friends. Yeah. That you're, you're a deeply curious person. I mean, we're all trying to tell the world who we are, right? So, yeah. <laughs> and also, a huge, huge thank you to our sponsor, uh, B&H Photo Video. Yes. All of the links to all of the gear that we use is in the description or in the show notes, depending on if you're listening or watching. We'd love for you to click on some of those, check it out. Yeah. Um, and that's going to wrap up this episode of Deeply Curious. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye.